0: Good morning, Celebration Church, and greetings from Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA, home of the famous Grand old Opry that's been putting out country stars for decade after decade. Uh, we are here in Nashville doing a special project for the U.S. military. Uh, as many of you have known, my Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage uh, series has been the number one program used in the military to help and encourage uh, couples. And, and it's been a great honor for us to have that uh, uh, situation with them. It's been a great blessing. Uh, everywhere I go around uh, the world, whenever I run into military people, it's, it's amazing how many of them recognize me. and They are so grateful and so thankful for what we've been able to do to speak into their lives. Uh, what we decided to do to enhance that is uh, we're uh, setting up to do a special taping with just military people in the audience. And, uh, and uh, then we're going to be addressing uh, specific concerns that they have and challenges that they have in the military and working in with our regular Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage materials and stuff like that. So we're very, very excited about it. Uh, we've been down here getting everything set up under the direction of Pastor Ross, our creative wow. genius who's been setting up, you know, all the props and the camo and, and all the stuff, getting the, everything just set and ready to go. Our guys have been down here, uh, Phil and, and Tim and Nancy, getting all the technical stuff worked out uh, for the videotaping. And uh, we're very, very excited about it. This will be a very specialized project. And then this DVD will go out to military personnel all over the world. It's another way that Celebration Church touches the lives of of millions of people and uh, we're so excited about it so uh, we've been having a good time getting everything set up we've been working but we've also been staying <laughs> next to the uh, Grand Ole Opry at the Opryland hotel holy cow you should see this place it is wild this it's huge the number of rooms that is in this place is stunning it's a gigantic uh, convention center they've got its own internal you know, ecosystem, everything's covered with glass and uh, has its own plants and waterfalls and restaurants everywhere. It's, it's stunning. If you, come, if you ever get a chance to come to the uh, Opryland Hotel, you ought to really check it out. It's really an amazing place. So anyway, that's why we're down here and uh, sharing from you uh, with you from Nashville this weekend because we're in the middle of this project. Uh, we want to. Before I get into the message this morning, I want to remind you about the uh, women's conference coming up at the end of the month. Uh, make sure now all the campuses should have tickets. You should be able to just go up to the counter somewhere at your campus, grab some tickets, and get yourself situated for the women's conference. Don't miss this. You are going to have a fabulous time you will enjoy the music you will laugh you will learn you will be energized and empowered to go out and face the challenges of your life not just to eke by but to be more than a conqueror so we are so excited about this next installment of our butt kicking women's conference so make sure you get your tickets listen i know it's going to happen some of you who are thinking i'm not going to go then you're going to hear how great it was, and then you're, oh, I wish I would have went. Don't let that happen to you. So don't leave today, ladies, without getting your tickets. You and your friends and your daughters and stuff need to come and be a part of this. This will be an amazing, empowering time for the women in our church, and we are very, very excited about it. Okay, so on to today's message. Now, you'll see we're on this gigantic set here, and that's why you're going to see the uh, men's brains and women's brains and, <laughs> and all the camo and the, the flag and all this stuff. This is because this is all set up for the uh, marriage conference. So anyway, that's why you'll see all this stuff. But uh, I'm going to be using a screen over here uh, for our scriptures. And we're going to be picking up uh, where we left off in Matthew. We're going through the book of Matthew one verse at a time. We are in Matthew, the 18th chapter, and we're picking it up at verse 21. Okay, so here we go. Then Peter came up to... Oh, and by the way, we're using a a translation called the Amplified Translation. So this will be a little bit different than the regular translation. The Amplified version of the Bible really has a way of uh, uh, adding extra words so you can really understand exactly what they're saying. Okay, so here we go. Then Peter came up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord how many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? See, they knew they were supposed to forgive people. This is Christianity 101. I am stunned at how many Christian people still don't get this. Listen to me, folks. You may not get a whole lot of things about the Bible. There might be things about the scriptures you don't grasp. There's things about the Bible I don't understand. There might be, that's fine but if you don't understand this you do not get it without understanding the basics of understanding that god will forgive you but you also have to forgive other people this is christianity 101 in fact remember now jesus has been teaching his disciples on uh he had given them the uh, lord's prayer because they said teach us how to pray and he said well this is how you should pray and uh you know our father who art in heaven we always pray this prayer together and uh, remember, he says, forgive us our sins, trespasses, whatever fancy word we use, as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, you've got to forgive people the way, uh, or you're asking God to forgive you like you're willing to forgive other people. And after Jesus taught him the Lord's Prayer, he went on right away and he said, listen. And then he emphasized what he just said. If you do not forgive people, God will not forgive you. And without God's forgiveness, what do you got? You got nothing. This, the, you're going to a very bad place. Uh, this is as fundamental as it gets, okay? So now these guys got it. They're hearing Jesus talking about forgiveness. They're still trying to get their head around it, grasp it, you know. Uh, so Peter says, okay, l- let me see if I, I, I understand this. You're saying we're supposed to forgive people. Uh, how many times should we forgive them? And, uh, uh, and then he offers... A suggestion he says as many as up to seven times now he's being very generous okay he's thinking I'm, I'm gonna really step out here Lord I know you say we got to forgive people how many times how, how many times will I let a guy forgive me and and just let it go even as many as seven times and then Jesus says this No, no no I tell you not up to seven times Peter but seventy Times seven. All right. Now let's take a a little look at this. Now this is going to sound a little weird, but uh, as you study the words of Jesus and the teachings and the, and what he said and his and his detail as we've been studying his words over the last year and a half, there are some stunning things. What have we learned? That first of all, Jesus was not nearly as warm and fuzzy as everybody makes him out to be. You see him in the movies and he's always smiling and grinning and kind of like a hippie, you know, hey, peace, man, I just love everybody. When you start reading Jesus' words, it's kind of shocking. You go, wow, because he said some very, very strong things. Was he warm and fuzzy? Of course. He was very loving and compassionate, but it was way more than that. He had no problem getting into people's faces and challenging him. And while he is the divine son of God, born of a virgin, sent from heaven, and to come, God in the flesh amongst us. He was God, but yet also man. 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Hard to even get your head around it. But it's interesting as we watch him and look at his words, how human he is. And, uh, and oftentimes he would speak in human ways. And what I mean by this is there is a real strong sense that at times Jesus was a bit of a hyperbolist. In other words, he would speak in extremes to make a point, something you don't hear very often. Uh, And this is certainly not to say that Jesus' words aren't true, it's just that he would say statements in a way that was almost a little shocking. For example, we just read, what a chapter or two ago, where Jesus got so frustrated with his disciples and said, oh good grief, how long am I going to be stuck with you people? Now, I don't think he didn't know how long (laughs) he was gonna be stuck with them. He had a pretty good sense of when he was gonna die on the cross. Uh, So from that sense uh, he had a limited time to be stuck with them. Uh, And of course from an eternal sense he knew he'd always be stuck with them. I mean it's not a very flattering thing to say how long am I gonna be stuck with you. Uh, If I were to say that for example if I came out on a Sunday morning to all you guys and said, you guys, good grief, how long am I going to be stuck with you? You know, half of you, at least half of you, would go home and say, I don't think he likes us anymore. I, I don't think he wants a pastor anymore. I, I think, he, you know, he needs to go, he needs to retire, or, or we need to go to a different church. Man, half of you would go to a different church just because if I said something because that insensitive. Now stop and think, that's what Jesus said to him. Well, he said, how long am I going to be stuck with you? See, if I said something like that, that would be very, very harsh. So how do you understand it? You put it in the context. He was so irritated with them because they couldn't figure out how to get this one kid delivered from a demon. And he had taught them over and over and over again how to do this stuff. So it was a human expression, a bit of a hyperbole, a little bit of an exaggeration. It didn't really mean anything other than to say, you're driving me crazy, okay? It wasn't really a literal, Gee, I wonder how long I'm going to have to put up with you people. I can't stand you. That wasn't his thing. But yet, if you're going to be illiterate, see, here's the thing. People who are literalists get around people who speak in exaggerated terms and they can't handle it. I speak in exaggerated terms all the time. You know, thankfully, Jesus didn't speak as crazy as I did. But I always use exaggerations to make points. Now, semi-intelligent people get it. Okay? Oh, well, the point is don't do this or don't do that. And I use an extreme example to make the point. Uh, And, you know, I've been criticized for it, but but if you're a literalist, every literal thing I say in a statement like that, and if you don't have the common sense, which sadly isn't very common today, to understand that it's just an exaggerated thing to make a point, then then you'll get confused by it. I, I remember, you know, a few years ago, I was using an analogy, about people who you know uh use truth but they're using it in a really bad way they're do they're doing bad things but they got just enough truth around it to sneak it by and it causes a lot of confusion in people's lives and gets people upset i use the analogy look at the end of the day you can take dog poo and you can paint it and you can put a pretty bow on it and you can spray perfume on it. But at the end of the day, it's still just dog poo. No matter how nice you put or how many spiritual tags and, well, the Lord told me this. When you're being destructive, it's still just dog poo, okay? Now, a little bit of a strong analogy to get my point across. I had one family leave the church. Why are you leaving the church? Because you said, how's dog poo? I didn't say you were dog food. Well, that's what you said. It's like good grief. You don't get the point. So they laughed anyway life goes on, but so exaggerated statements at times and I say this a bit in my own defense But at times even Jesus did that. Okay, how long am I gonna be stuck with you guys another one when he said Talking about lust if your eye offend you pop it out of your head if your hand is getting you in trouble Cut it off. Now, I don't know anybody who understands the scriptures or in the light of Christian teaching, I've never met a preacher, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, anywhere in the world that has ever come to the conclusion that they really think Jesus wants people to pluck their eyeballs out or to cut their hands off. Well, that's what he said. Well, yeah, that's what he said. The point was, Stop it Stop lusting. He says better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two Okay, I think the point is take this seriously Don't do it not literally because you know taking the spoon and popping your eyeballs out Uh, and certainly Encouraging people if you're struggling in this area, you need to get it right. You need to get help Okay, so all of that to point out his statement here when Peter comes and says hey should I forgive seven times he's "No, not seven times but seventy times seven now, I don't think Jesus meant literally you keep track of how many times somebody offends you and as soon as you get to that number you say, okay we've had it you're done because you've hit the magic number I don't have to forgive you anymore that wasn't the point he's speaking in an exaggerated statement like some people I know to make a point In other words, no, there's no limit. You always have to forgive people. And the truth of the matter, I'd I'd be thrilled if most people just got to the seven. (laughs) You can't get people there. Come on, you know who you are. Somebody hurts you once, you say, well, shame on them. They hurt you twice, then shame on me. It'll never happen again. Somebody hits you one or two times, you don't have anything to do with them. You cut them off. You're mad at them. Your mother-in-law... Criticizes the way you cook too many times and now you'll never go over there and you're just nasty and mean seriously My personal I'd be thrilled if most Christians got to Peter's standard of just the seven Because most people don't get much past three. The reality is we need to forgive people all the time Okay, the seventy times seven wasn't an exact number It was an exaggerated statement that most intelligent people get, and it didn't mean to literally do the 70 times 7. So he's basically saying, look, you always got to forgive people. And then he gives a parable. Let's look at the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. So he calls all these guys together, and for whatever reason, he wants an accounting. He wants to settle up with people that owe him money or if he owes them or whatever the deal is. So when he began the uh, accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which is probably about 10 million dollars. Now, why the guy or how the guy owed so much money, I, I have no idea. You know, I don't know what the, know what the king was thinking or, or what, you know, who knows what kind of deal the guy was involved in, but at the end of the day, he owes the king $10 million. Well, because he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and everything... Whoops, back up. With his wife and children and everything he possessed and that payment should be made. Now, you think your life stinks because you got, you know, uh, the credit card companies calling you or collection companies calling you. Uh, the... Uh, bulk of human existence believe it or not has always been and this is true even in western culture up until about 150 years ago even still in the 1900s or uh, 1800s the 19th century there were still debtors prisons and uh if you couldn't make your credit card payment or whatever it was they'll come and throw you in jail you know at jesus time they'd take you and sell you off into slavery and by selling you as a slave would make money back Uh, and by the way a lot of people were in slavery it wasn't just you know like it was in our country sadly you know it was just the blacks from Africa there are people of all kinds of shapes sizes and colors that were sold into slavery it wasn't (laughs) slavery was so rampant it didn't matter what color or where you were from in fact all you had to do don't pay your bills and they could take you and sell you into slavery so here this guy freaks the guy's beg, he says, Look, you owe me 10 million. He says, I can't pay it. I'm not ready to pay it. So the king says, All right, sell him. And not just sell him, but then the wife, poor lady, she's married the idiot, so now she's got to get sold. And the kids all have to get sold into slavery to help uh, pay towards the debt. And it would only be towards the debt, 10 million bucks. I mean, there's no way any slave is worth that kind of money. But a guy's got to pay the price. Basically, at the end of the day, you've got to pay the price. You can't make make the payment. Uh, So, so the attendant, who was going to be thrown in, you know, be sold, falls on his knees begging the king, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Now there's not a chance, I don't think, this guy would ever be able to pay back the 10 million. But he's begging for more time. Just give me more time, I'll figure out a way to pay it. And uh, So he just pleads on his knees to the king. And the king's heart was moved with compassion. Nice king, nice guy. And he released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. Now, this is a great day for this guy. He's in a bad situation. He owes 10 million bucks. There's not a chance he can pay this money. He's looking at a prison or slavery in this case. And his whole family would be traumatized, all turned into slaves and separated too, by the way. They don't sell them as a... Unit, you know, whoever buys the one kid or whatever, I mean, he'll never see his wife again. This is, this is a big deal. And he cries out to the king. The king has a soft heart. He sees the guy crying. He's, all right, forget it. Forget it. And he cancels $10 million, cancels the, uh, the weight that is getting ready to fall on him and his family. This is an amazing day for this guy. The peace, the joy. The satisfaction, the weight of the world has to be lifted off of this guy's shoulders because now this debt, not just delayed, but canceled. You don't know anything, dude. I'm clearing the decks. You are free to go. Wow, what an amazing story. Now, you keep reading. Jesus said, but that same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants, who owed him a hundred denarii, which is about $20. And look what he does. He catches the guy by the throat and starts to choke him and says, pay me what you owe, which is 20 bucks. Now this is the same guy who just got let go $10 million. So anyway, uh, so that attendant that he's choking falls down and he begs this guy begs him earnestly, give me time and I will pay you all. Now, at least this is something attainable. You know, give the guy some time. He should be able to come up with 20 bucks somehow, somewhere. But he was, the, the, the guy who was choking him said, was unwilling. And he went out and had the guy thrown into prison because that's what they had and have had. For such by the way, there are places in the world that still has debtors prisons. I was, I was googling it uh, When I was working on this I thought oh my goodness. There's still places today in countries. You don't pay a debt They throw you in the hoose man. So anyway, that's what he did. He goes in the guys owed me 20 bucks. He can't pay it and uh, Has him arrested throws him into prison. Well, then his attendants saw what had happened his fellow buddies That also worked for the king. They were greatly distressed And they went and told everything that had taken place to the king, their master. Well, when the king hears this, he is enraged, you can imagine, all right? Stop and think how you'd feel. Somebody comes to you, and they're begging you to forgive them, and you forgive them a huge amount of money. And then they turn around and start choking some guy and throw him into jail for a a piddly amount of money you would be a little irritated well his master called this guy and said to him you look you are a contemptible and wicked attendant I forgave and canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me to the only reason and should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you well in his wrath the king turns him over to the torturers now they put in back up slow down everybody <laughs> they put in the jailers because they're thinking in the amplified sense they must mean jail but literally Jesus did say torturers in fact in the other translations it says that the king turned the guy over to be tortured. He was so mad. At this point, it wasn't just arresting him and throwing him in jail. It wasn't just, let's take him and sell him into slavery, him and his whole family, which I would presume that's what happened to the rest of his family. The king is so ticked, he takes the guy and (laughs) turns him over to torturers. Now, I don't know who these guys are. Sounds kind of a lousy job to me. You got to be pretty sick to sign up for that job. But that's what he did now. So here this guy's being tortured. Everybody say tortured. All right. Tortured. That's what Jesus is telling in the story. All right. Be tortured till he should pay all that he Oh, Now how he's repaying while he's being tortured. I have no idea. Anyway, maybe being tortured and has to work at the same time. He'll never pay it. He can never owe it. I mean, this guy's life is over now. End of the story. Okay. We get the story. Pretty simple. Peter comes seven times. Jesus and says, nah, 70 times seven. In other words, always forgive. Tells the story. Everybody gets it. The one guy's forgiven of much, but then he wouldn't forgive somebody of little. And as a result, the king took him and got him into lots of trouble and turned him over to the torturers. Now look what Jesus says. So also my heavenly father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. Now, is Jesus implying that God is going to torture people who don't forgive other people? I don't know. Is it another exaggerated statement? I don't know. Okay, and by the way, be careful with this exaggerated stuff. Jesus said what he meant, meant what he said. But an intelligent person can see the context of some of these statements as exaggerated to make points. And I'll buy that maybe he was using an exaggerated statement to make points, but whether or not you're literally tortured by God or not, the point is, this is going to be bad, okay? This is not going to be good for you. Now, I know this is going to be a challenge for a lot of people because a lot of you listening to me right now, Uh, In our campuses, I don't care if you're in Stevens Point, Appleton, West Side, East Side, the Latino campus, people who listen to us all around the world on the Internet, people who watch us on television. Man, there's a lot of people, listen to me right now, that you have people who have hurt you and no way in your mind will you ever forgive them. Now listen to me. I know that you've been hurt. I know they've wounded you. I know they've caused you great pain, but you've got to listen to my words. Listen to the words of Jesus. You have to forgive everybody. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sins as I forgive others of their sins. You say, well, yeah, but but he, he ran over my dog. Well, dude, that's like 20 bucks compared to the 10 million you owed God. I know people have done some horrible things, but you have to understand even the worst transgression a human being can do to another is very small on the scale of the sins we've committed against a very holy God. And in his compassion and his grace, he is willing to forgive anybody who will come to him and ask for forgiveness. But don't you dare Turn around, being forgiven from God. Don't you come to church, take communion, ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. Come into your life and then you leave church and you still hate your neighbor. You are still bitter and angry and refuse to ever talk again to your sister or you have someone in the church that maybe they go to a different church now. You'll never talk to that church again. Man, you got to be careful with that stuff. You can't go there. You have to. To let it go. say, Pastor, but it hurts. Look, I know it hurts. But forgiveness doesn't have to do anything with how you feel. All right? If it's about how you feel, then yeah, we're all doomed because none of us can forgive anybody. When you hurt, you hurt badly. But it's not about hurting. You say, well, I can't forgive what they did. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. You might feel the pain of what someone has done to you to the day you die. You might remember in detail what they did to you until the day you die. But the truth is that has nothing to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is simply saying, I let, you, I let it go. I let it go. We're good. Even though you can still feel the pain, even though you can still remember it, you've got to let them go. We have to forgive people. And if you're really struggling this morning, as you're listening to me, and there's people that you, you just seem to not be able to forgive, you need to get down on your knees, man, and you need to ask God, help me. Help me to forgive them. Help me to let it go. Some of you, you really struggle with this, and I know, but you've got to let it go. You've got to let it. Jesus said it in the most stark of terms here. So will my heavenly Father treat you if you don't forgive people who have sinned against you. We have to let it go. It doesn't mean that you always leave yourself in a situation where they can keep doing it to you. I understand that if you're being abused, you need to get yourself out of those situations. I understand that. But even after getting yourself away from people who are very damaging and hurtful, uh, and it doesn't mean you always have to be with those people. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you still have to forgive them. Okay? Someone always punches you in the face when you walk into their house. I'd I'd quit walking in their house. (laughs) I don't think I'd go over it. But I still have to forgive them. I can't hate them. I can't be bitter towards them. And as far as I'm concerned before God, if God says, you got any problem with this guy? Your answer should always be, no. I don't have a problem. If anybody else asks, you got a problem with a guy, you should be able to say no. No, I don't. You might want to be careful when you first step in the door. Has <laughs> a tendency to punch people in the face. But I don't, I don't have a problem with him. You got to let it go. And if you are really struggling with a person in your life, and listen, some people are just really mean, nasty jerks. And I know they're really good at hurting people. If you've been hurt that way, even though you don't have to be around that person, you still, you need to come to God and say, Father, help me to forgive them. You've got to let it go. And then you can say with all confidence, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive me of my sins as I have forgiven others of their sins. Even though those sins seem great compared to your debt before God, it's 20 bucks. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, you have made it clear in no uncertain terms that as people of faith, we have, it's not optional, we have to forgive people or we risk having God not forgive us. Lord, and we need your forgiveness. Without it, we are eternally, eternally lost. Help us, Lord, to let go those who have wounded us and injured us in our past. And Father, for anyone who's listening to me right now and they're really struggling, Lord, I pray that you help them as they call out to you to get to that place where you can give them that grace that just let it go. Help us to walk in a place where we don't keep track of the wrongs people do to us, but we walk in a place of forgiveness and grace to the world and in the world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the service and uh, we'll see you again next week.